This is the Journal of Ecology podcast. I'm Scott Chamberlain. Can two birds be hit with one stone? Perhaps they can. Science funding has been dramatically cut by governments recently. In addition, scientists are not exactly known for knowing how to communicate their scientific findings to the public. Crowdfunding, asking for donations from the public to support a specific project, may be the rock that can hit both birds. I recently caught up with Jared Burns to talk about science crowdfunding at the Ecological Society of America meeting in Portland, Oregon in the U.S. Can you please briefly introduce yourself? Sure. Uh, My name is Jarrett Burns. Um, I'm an assistant professor at the University of Massachusetts in Boston. To the uninitiated, what is crowdfunding? Crowdfunding is a a process where an individual goes out, uh, takes a project that they're interested in doing, be it a a research project, an album, a a piece of art, uh, and tries to solicit people that they know or are in contact with to actually donate to that research. They try and reach out to a large, broad public audience um, and solicit as many small donations as possible in order to fund the project they're interested in. Great. So, but why crowdfunding? Um, You know, what's what's wrong with just using the traditional funding routes? Sure. In the sciences, the traditional funding uh, sources are are great. Um, They provide uh, kind of the bulk of research money coming into our universities and into uh, an academic setting. Uh, that said, we all know that there are a number of projects that can slip between the cracks when it comes to traditional funding sources. Um, either they're too small, they're too new, there's, there's not enough going on there, they're a small graduate project or small pilot projects. Um, the, those are the kinds of projects that can slip between the cracks. And that's one of the great places where crowdfunding can step in. Um, crowdfunding is a, a wonderful place where people can pitch their work, uh, pitch why it's important, and pitch it to a broad public audience. So um, it's a great place to get those small initial projects funded. Uh, Crowdfunding is also a a wonderful place for people to put out potentially larger research projects that have a a high degree of public interest. So if you have a project that's really relevant to the people around you uh, and you want to make sure that you are involving a large audience and supporting your work, crowdfunding is the perfect venue where you can do that. Are there particular types of research Mm -hmm. that are good for crowdfunding or Mm -hmm. particular types of research that are not good for crowdfunding? That's a great question. Uh, The kinds of research that are perfect for crowdfunding are the kinds of research where a researcher can take a look at their project and both understand and then communicate the importance of their research in a much broader context to the general public. That said, as researchers, we should all be able to take a look at our work and ask, why is what I am doing important, not just to me, but, but to the, the world at large? So really, I, I think there are few, if any, projects out there uh, that we shouldn't be able to go forward and with a, a really good communication strategy be able to try and crowdfund. It seems that um, crowdfunding is a completely different um, model from traditional funding routes in the sense that you have peers judging the soundness of a proposal and then they either decide to give you the money or not based on on the science. Um, Whereas, at least in my experience, crowdfunding seems to be more about how well you can convey your message to people that are not necessarily scientists. Mm -hmm. So um, does this 
does this is this a good thing or a bad thing? I mean, it seems like um, crowdfunded projects that are not necessarily are ba- uh, judged on the soundness of their science. Mm-hmm. So, in order to crowdfund a project, you need to make a compelling case to a public audience that the work you're doing is relevant and the work that you're doing uh, is doable, for lack of a better word. Um, you need to be able to make a compelling case that you can go out there, you will get the work done, you will get results that will um, be of interest to the people who are coming in and supporting your work. Um, it is a different model. It is letting the crowd decide, and, and that's one of, I think, the, the pieces of excitement about it. Um, is this a good project? Is it something that, that people feel is valuable? Is it something they think is interesting? And is it something that people think you can do? I want to ask you about um, the companies that sort of host uh, crowdfunding projects. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems like they can take, you know, there's different models with different companies, but they take uh, sometimes, you know, 4 or 5 or 10 or 13 to 12 percent of, of the money that you raise. Um, do you think there's, based on your experience, do you think there's better business models that are sustainable for companies that would be better for scientists where they get more of the money? So there are, there are a number of, of different companies out there with very different business models in terms of how... Uh, they help people crowdfund their site. Uh, these are currently for-profit companies. They they need to make a buck in order to survive uh, and grow and help us crowdfund their work. Uh, it definitely behooves a researcher to think about um, their project and what company will be the best uh, model for them, what company will allow them to uh, best fund their work, uh, what company will allow them to uh, really get the word out. Uh, there are certain... Uh, companies out there that are really trying to help researchers actually communicate the message about their work and and help them fund their work. So it's really a a trade-off. What exactly do you want to do with your crowdfunding proposal? Uh, What company will help you, uh, will be the the best way for you to to pitch that and and really make the most benefit uh, of the project, for the project, excuse me. Why not just uh, you know put a little PayPal button on your on your home website and, and, and see if you can get donations? Why even use a, one of these one of these companies? Mm-hmm. Uh, so you certainly can put just a PayPal button on your website and try and fund your research that way. There's nothing stopping you from doing that. Uh, that said, there's a, a whole range of issues that come uh, into the into the picture once you start funding research and start getting money from uh, a variety of different people or organizations to fund your research. These companies take care of that side of it. They take care of aggregating um, the funds. They take care of providing hosting for you to put up information about your work. Um, not only that, but a number of these companies are, are places where uh, people go to look at what is the latest and greatest work that people are trying to crowdfund. So there's actually a promotional aspect that these companies give to you. So it's you know they're they're a great model. It's it's something that um, they help us and and we help them exist. Um, but if you can come up with a proper structure for it, there's there is nothing to stop you from trying to fund your work directly as long as you're willing to take on the consequences of uh, taxes, etc., and all all that that entails. You started along with a, a colleague at uh, at NCHI uh, Raghunathan um, the Siphon Project. Um, what was the motivation to start this project, and uh, what did you hope to achieve? So Jai and I started the Siphon project uh, actually primarily because we were interested in science engagement. Um, we're both really interested in different ways that researchers can find an outlet to engage the public. Uh, 
And what better way to do that than by telling the public about your work and, and trying to tell them in sort of a high-profile way to make them feel connected uh, to the work you're doing. So SciFund, SciFund really primarily is about engagement. Um, Jai and I were curious about what are some better ways to promote engagement. We also, as are all scientists, aware of the fact that current funding rates are on the decline. So we kind of took these two pieces. Okay, how can scientists have a, a good venue to engage the public about their research? And what is a, a, a way that scientists can actually find pools of money to fund their research? Um, and we found that they were really compatible uh, through crowdfunding. And crowdfunding at its core is all about engaging an audience to become interested in work that you're doing, and so interested, in fact, and so invested that they are willing to fund it. So it seemed like a perfect match for a way to help scientists get out, engage broad audiences in their work, uh, and bring in some money. I actually had... Uh, one uh, professor I was talking to uh, about this project, and, and he basically said, so what you're saying to me is that uh, we're paying our students for doing engagement and outreach work. And that's basically what crowdfunding is, right? <laughs> and he was exactly right. Yeah. Um, so I understand uh, you and Jai have a um, paper in review on um, sort of the first round of the SciFund uh, project, and you have a, you just maybe I think finished the second round uh, of SciFund. Um, so, can you share some some metrics or some anecdotes at least about uh, so what sort of made a successful uh, crowdfunding project? Sure. So we surveyed our researchers at the end of the first round of SciFund and asked them uh, a lot of different questions about how they conducted their campaign. Uh, and also uh, how they uh, behave and interact online in general. Uh, basically, how are they pursuing different, um, different strategies of outreach and engagement, primarily um, online. So things like, do you have a blog? Uh, how long have you been blogging? Do you engage in Twitter? How many Twitter followers do you have? Uh, quantifiable ways of, of asking how good of a job are these researchers um, doing at, at doing outreach and engagement. Um, so we have a paper in this in review right now, but the really preliminary analyses you can actually see on our blog. And in those preliminary analyses on the blog, what we essentially found was that researchers who were putting in a concerted effort to do outreach and engagement in online arenas, so blogging, tweeting, um, really trying to engage a, a broad audience, were better able to bring in funds for their projects. Um, and I can think of, of no better example than uh, we had two research in particular who did a great job. At, uh, we had many researchers who had a fantastic job. Uh, we had two that were really uh, big success stories, and you can see that, and they both funded their work to very high levels. Uh, so Christina Kilgrove was one who um, actually uh, has a fantastic blog, Powered by Ostians, where she does outreach and engagement for her work by commenting actually on the, the popular TV show Bones, uh, as well as talking about her work in anthropology. Really cool stuff. She's engaged a very broad audience, and because of her strategy of outreach and engagement, she was able to get her work promoted uh, actually on CNN. Uh, that brought in uh, a large audience of people who came and funded her work. Um, another great story actually um, is Lindsay Peavy. She took a, a different approach, and one that was a bit harder to quantify, but worked out quite well for her, where she contacted a number of uh, organizations, NGOs, etc., who are interested in the kinds of work that she is doing. Uh, she contacted them, told them about her proposal, told her about the work she was trying to crowdfund, and asked them to, uh, in some cases, she, she got some matching funds, but in other cases, uh, she asked them to just forward along the word 
about her project to the, the, uh, the people within that network who would be interested, so people involved in the NGO or following along with the work they were doing. And that worked out really well for her as well. She brought in a lot of new people, uh, new people who are interested in her work who may not have known about it otherwise. So I think that was a real outreach and engagement success story. And, and in fact, um, <laughs> I actually just got an email from Lindsay this morning. Uh, I'm on her mailing list, her project mailing list, uh, where she's telling us about ongoing work with her Turtles in the Deep project, turtles that uh, have been tracked recently, some of the turtles that she's tagged, uh, where they're showing up. So she's continuing to engage people in her work, and I'm, I'm guessing that will lead to uh, even better funding for her in the future. What is the future of SciFund? You just finished uh, your second round of SciFund. Do you, what are the plans for the future? Sure. So Jai and I have a lot of plans for the future of SciFund. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of plans. Um, the two things in the, the sort of near term uh, that we're really interested in pursuing are, one, building out SciFund to uh, provide a better engagement platform for researchers. So as I said, SciFund for Jai and I is all about promoting engagement and promoting uh, the engagement and outreach capacity of uh, scientists. So we have a lot of training that goes along with being a member of SciFund, uh, a lot of uh, review uh, of proposals by uh, different members within the group. Uh, we're interested right now in we're building out a platform where participants can actually uh, have a, a ready-made, ready-to-go, easy-to-use platform to start talking about the work uh, and promoting it and just, just telling people about what they're doing and creating compelling stories. Uh, the other avenue that we're pursuing right now, and, and we don't have it finalized, but it's, it's where we want to go either with the next round or the round after that, is to actually become a nonprofit formally. Um, we're both really curious what being a, I, I should say that uh, to date we haven't been a nonprofit, so unfortunately uh, donations haven't been tax deductible. We're really curious what's going to happen once we introduce tax deductibility into it, so that if you donate to a SciFund project, that will be um, a tax deduction for you. Uh, it'd be really great. Uh, we're not there yet. Uh, Jai and I are scientists, so <laughs> we're jumping through some hoops that we probably never thought we'd ever jump through uh, in our lives. So it, it's interesting. Um, but I think we're going to get there, and if not in this round, in the next round, and, and that's going to be, a, I think, a, a huge leap for science crowdfunding. Looking into, the, into your sort of uh, your private glass ball, um, what do you think? What do you think uh, crowdfunding will look like, or what do you, or what do you want it to look like <laughs> in ten or, or twenty years? Take your pick. Sure, uh, I really see two roles for science crowdfunding uh, in the future be it in 5, 10, 20 years. Um, first and foremost, I think science crowdfunding will always be a great way to get training and experience in doing outreach and engagement. So it's going to be a great way, for example, for graduate students to go to create a video and craft a compelling story about the work that they're doing, um, put that online, and bring in some money for their research. So maybe it's a, a summer field season, something along those lines. Uh, so that's, that's one very clear direction uh, I see science crowdfunding as, as really always being able to fill. Uh, a second one is that as more and more people use it, um, they'll be able to build out their capacity to fund projects. As they um, build an audience for their work, they'll either be able to use crowdfunding to um, start up new and interesting projects, uh, maybe bootstrap some, <clears throat> some funds for preliminary data collection so that they can use crowdfunding as an incubator to then go on and take their work uh, and pitch it to NSF or NIH or a larger uh, or a foundation, um, show that they have public interest in their work, 
and show preliminary data and use that as a one-two punch to get big funds from uh, larger organizations. Uh, the third place that I see crowdfunding going in the future is, is I think we will have some scientists uh, and already are having some scientists, I, I'd say, that, that are really good at crafting compelling messages about their work, that they're really good at connecting with the public. They're, they're both great at doing really good, solid science, as well as doing really good, solid science communication. And I think that's a really potent combination. Um, people like that, I mean, like the Christina Kilgroves of today, I, I can really see crowdfunding as being a, a potential future avenue for, for big funds for them. Um, we're not there right now, but then again, if you look at the history of crowdfunding in many other disciplines, in the arts and technology, etc., crowdfunding always started small with small pots of money. And it's really only over time as people realized how to build audiences, how to do great work and use that great work to build an audience that they're able to achieve the hundreds of thousands of dollars uh, that you see some people raising, in some cases quite regularly, in crowdfunding today. If someone wanted to get started uh, doing crowdfunding right now, a scientist, a uh, researcher, a citizen scientist maybe, um, what, do they, what do they do to get started? So in order to get started in crowdfunding today, there are a couple of different avenues you could pursue. Uh, one, we are going to have another round of SciFund uh, in the fall, at least that's, that's the current plan, um, and, and hopefully uh, Jai and I will, will nail down when that's going to happen quite soon. Uh, so certainly if you're interested and you have a project that you feel like uh, would fit and fit well, latch on to that. Um, get trained by the community. Really work together with the uh, group of scientists that are interested in crowdfunding their work and, and try it out. Um, I have actually no doubt that this time we're probably going to get a couple of uh, experienced hands uh, participating in SciFund and they'll probably be a huge help to people that are newer to crowdfunding. Uh, if you don't want to wait and you want to jump in right away, um, you know, go for it. Find a project that you're interested in. Um, work on crafting a compelling message. Work on uh, doing a great video. Work on uh, putting together a, a really nice description that you feel like uh, can capture some interest and start building an audience. Um, you know, you can jump right in, try and crowdfund some work and use that as a way to start building an audience for your work. Um, but if you have a, a long-term strategy that you know you want to crowdfund some work that you're doing, that, that your science is something that, that has a broad appeal, um, you don't need to start by soliciting money. You can start by engaging with audiences uh, in, in very different ways. You could blog. You could start be, to become a presence online. You could start to uh, really craft uh, a compelling way for people to come in and look at the work you're doing so that uh, once time rolls around, for you to try and fund your research, you have a built-in audience that, that's ready, willing, and able to fund the work you want to do. Great. Uh, well, thanks for, uh, thanks for being with us to do the interview. Yeah, thank you. I had a great time. Thanks. We've been speaking with Jarrett Burns, a professor at UMass Boston, about the nascent science crowdfunding movement and his SciFound project. For the Journal of Ecology podcast, I'm Scott Chamberlain.